Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Easter is almost upon us. How's your Lenten commitment holding up? Great. <laughs> Great? Good. Good. For some of you, you might feel like this. Cue my little picture, if you can. That's not it. There it is. This year for Lent, I'm giving up. Can anybody relate? <laughs> Maybe you said, yeah, I'm giving up, I don't know, Facebook. And like three days later, you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot I was giving that up. Our spiritual journey can feel like that, right? And we've talked about this. If what you do in your faith walk is starting today, I'm going to be a good Christian. <laughs> starting with Ash Wednesday, I'm going to give this stuff up and start following Jesus. <laughs> and then like two weeks later, you're like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're like that guy. It's like, for Lent, I'm giving up, period. Right? It can be a challenge. We've talked about the fact that like New Year's resolutions, our Lenten commitments don't really work, right? And I know people go, I'm not, I don't do New Year's resolutions. And I said this at New Year's, by the way, that's a resolution. I make a commitment not to commit. <laughs> I love that. But Lenten commitments can be a challenge too because we've said, we've identified something in our life that is so important, it prevents our relationship with God or hinders our relationship with God. And we've decided we're going to give it up. And so the whole idea behind that is to create more room for your relationship with God. I mean, that's why we practice that. That's why we go through that ritual. But if you can relate to that guy, our effort to do right and to keep all of God's rules and to follow and be kind and loving all the time, even on three hours of sleep or whatever, like whatever, <laughs> to that we end up falling short. God's, that was the intent of God's law. Right? Part of the intent of the law, of the commandments that God gave us, was to show us that we can't get there on our own. Not just to show us how to live, but to show us we really can't keep them. If you think you know them, if you think you can keep them, start going through the ten. You know, you know what I mean? I shall not lie, ever. <laughs> right? Honor your father and mother. Some of you don't make it to church on Sunday. You know what I mean? So like when we, the, the law illustrates our need for a Savior. Paul put it this way. He says, I didn't know about coveting. He says this in Romans 8, I think. He says, I didn't, I didn't know about coveting until the law told me don't covet, and then coveting sprung into my heart. As soon as he knew what he couldn't have, he wanted it. Anybody relate to that one? It's like, I gave up pastries for Lent, and you walk into the connection lobby it's on Sunday morning. Oh, no. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> you know? As soon as you know it's wrong, that sin springs out of your heart. It's like, i, I got to have what I can't do. I, got, I want what I can't have. Don't think about white elephants. Every single one of you just pictured one. The law has that effect on us. And so our effort to keep the law, to keep the rules, doesn't work. Well, what about sacrifice? What about sacrifice? If we can't keep the rules then we have to make sacrifices to make up for our inability to keep the rules. That was basically the Old Testament system, right? God says to the people of God, hey, you, when you violate these commandments, here's what you do. Here's the sacrifice. Go read Leviticus, right? Go read Numbers and Deuteronomy. When you, if you've done this, then here is the appropriate sacrifice. If you've done this, it's two pigeons. If you've done this, it's five whatever it is. Like, there's all these rituals of sacrifice. So what about sacrifice? 
What about giving something up? I mean, that's what we're talking about with Lent. If I give something up, then I'm super spiritual. If I kept my Lenten commitment, maybe I'm super spiritual. You know, like sacrifice makes me good with God, right? I hate to tell you, that doesn't work either. Not only can we not obey, but our sacrifices that we make aren't enough either. Because if sacrifice would work, you, once you did your sacrifice, you'd be done. If in the Old Testament, if paying for the sin, if the sacrifices of the goat, the lamb, the sheep, whatever it was, was, done, was enough, they'd be like, we're done. We've made our sacrifices. Our sins are paid for. Look at he, um, we're talking about sacrifices. <laughs> we understand what I mean by sacrifice, right? In baseball, sacrifice bunt. You give up yourself so the person will advance. Becoming a parent is a living sacrifice. You've given up your integrity, the cleanliness of your house, hours of sleep, two-thirds of your income for the rest of your life. I mean, you become a parent, you've made sacrifice, <laughs> right? So would giving up all this stuff cover? This is Hebrews chapter 10. Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year make perfect those who approach. Otherwise, would they not have ceased being offered? Since the worshippers cleansed for all would no longer have any consequent consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sin year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came in the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I, then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. When he said, when he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, See, I have come to do your will. He, abol he abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Complicated passage. But the very first verse, he says, the law is only a shadow. What does that mean? We know that the law is how God wants us to live, right? The Ten Commandments. By the way, Jesus narrowed those down to two. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Covers all ten. Love God covers the first four. Love your neighbor covers the second six, if you've never looked at it that way. So that's how you keep the law. That's the intent of God's will for our life. God's law for our life. But our ability to keep it is a shadow of the way we'll live when sin is removed. That's what I was saying earlier. We can't get there under our own power. And then the sacrifices to make up for when we fail would have ceased if they paid for sin. He says the law is there to show us our sin. The sacrifice is there to remind us that we can't pay for our own sin. That we need sacrifice. They didn't, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament system was never meant to be sufficient. We always think when we read the Bible, it's like, okay, in the Old Testament, they sacrificed goats and that paid for their sin. And that's why God didn't crush them. 
That was never the intent of sacrifice. It was the constant reminder of the redemption that would come one day when Messiah came. That they went through the ritual and had to do all that stuff at temple, not because of the stuff that they did, the things that they practiced, the small groups, the tithing, the church that they went to, didn't pay for sin. You see what I mean metaphorically there, right? The rituals they went through were never intended to pay for sin. What they were intended to do is to remind the people of God of the need for sacrifice for their sin. For a need for payment for their sin. The Old Testament system was not meant to pay for sin, but served as a reminder. And then in verse 10, he nails it. He brings it home. He goes, do you not understand that when Jesus came... And he said that about himself. I've come to do the will of God. He says it was the will of God that Jesus in bodily form, in reality, would die for our sins once for all. There's a reason we still don't bring goats into church. (laughs) Because it wasn't true of the Old Testament sacrifice system. It wasn't sufficient. It was a reminder. It was a process. It was a giving that expressed their dependence on God that kept them reminding they needed to be saved by God, by the Messiah one day. It says that Jesus came, in verse 10, to fulfill all of that, to replace the old system with the new, to die once for all. That's why Jesus' last words on the cross were, It is finished. What was finished? The continual need to be reminded of a sacrifice we couldn't pay for. Because it had been sacrificed in the blood of Jesus. Once for all. Now, for all. Does that mean everybody gets a free pass? You get a free pass. You get a free pass. No, of course not. He died for everyone. He died for the ability of anyone and everyone who wants to have a relationship with God to pursue that relationship with God. He made it available to everyone, but to those who have said yes through faith, their sins are paid for, for good. Does that mean you can do what you want once they're paid for? No. Paul goes, are you kidding me? (laughs) The literal Greek, we talked about that before. Are you kidding me? Does that mean you can just go on and sinning so that grace may abound? Of course not. Is what Paul says. That if somebody is going to pay the price for you once and for all, that changes our heart motivation for doing anything. Behavior can't get us there. So we need to stop trying to let behavior get us there. That's one danger. Let behavior try to get us there. I'm a pretty good Christian. I kept my Lenten commitment. I keep all my church commitments. I'm a good person. Jesus will love me. It's not the gospel. That's a works righteousness. Hey, Jesus paid my price once for all. I can live any way I want to. It's not the gospel. Are all your sins forgiven? Of course. But when somebody pays your debt, how do you live in response? You don't flaunt it and trample it and go back into debt. Once for all. The system is done. Ritual sacrifice is is in some level is empty of the power to save us and serves as a reminder of what Jesus accomplished in the true fulfillment to take away the sins of the world. That's why communion, think about it. 
There's a ritual. We're about to go to the table together. What does communion do? It reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus made. We know that it's more than a reminder. That for us, it's a means of grace in a way. God's power is alive in it when we take the elements together. This idea that's like, oh, it happened one day and it's all done and we're good. No. We take the table together because it reminds us of the sacrifice that took care of everything. It's the fulfilling sacrifice that Jesus made for everybody. That's the Easter story we're coming up to. Palm Sunday is next Sunday. Easter Sunday is the Sunday after that. And we've been going through this Lenten season of emptying ourselves of who we are, emptying ourselves of our sin, emptying ourselves of idols, giving up things that we know get in our way, and even failing at that practice. Because it can't get you there. But what gets us there is what Christ did for us. And in the sense, we're going to do the full prayer this morning called the Great Thanksgiving. You've got cards in the middle of the table because there's some responsive pieces to that. And so I invite you to grab those as we go, as we go to the communion table together. And it's a responsive prayer. I pray some words, you pray some words. I pray some words, you pray some words. Because that reflects the call of the gospel. Jesus died once for all so that we may know him. The call is made out, is out there for us. And our faith is our response to what he did. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift up the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. And a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead, and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people." Declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he, which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And said, this is my body which is broken for you. 
Take and eat. When the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this. Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, on the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of that bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. By Your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at His heavenly banquet, through Your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in Your holy church. All honor and glory is Yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.